Hi friends, my name is Carmen Kissel-Verrier and I am the author of The Butcher Shop Girl, a memoir from Misfits and Mavericks, published by Friesen Press, November 2020. I had a completely peculiar coming-of-age journey and I wrote about how overachieving is a classic response to childhood trauma. I also explore elements of the toxic mother-child bond and what can happen if you've never bonded with your mother or primary caregiver. My book helps all young people who don't know where to turn. I show them how to regain control of their life and teach them how to craft the narrative they want to be perceived by others, no matter where you might find yourself on an out-of-control life path. The Butcher Shop Girl begins with my unique coming of age as I'm ripped for my extended family after my Catholic parents' divorce. Learning to conquer unusual places in the name of survival, I spend my childhood working in my mother's slaughterhouse in Prairie, Alberta, tearing through flesh and getting up to trouble. To escape a violent home, I bounce from house to house, work on the family farm, and eventually in the oil patch. At 18, my competitive craving for money and independence leads me to a career as an exotic dancer. Starting out in seedy small town dives, I quickly earn my place in high-end clubs throughout North America, becoming an elite world traveling entertainer. I live the high life and make big money. I party with the Hells Angels and fall in love with a sexy US drug enforcement agent all while effortlessly walking the line of two extreme worlds. But when run-ins with premium organized crime land me in Bolivia, I realize I've gone too far and the only thing that can free me now is to ask my estranged family for help. The Butcher Shop Girl is a compelling memoir of resilience and persistence that captures the vivacious spirit of a small-town girl determined to succeed by any means necessary. I'm going to read an excerpt of The Butcher Shop Girl for you now, a beautiful piece filled with melancholy, resolve, revelation, and new beginnings about to unfold. Getting on the plane to Canada felt different. I was flying back to my new life, my new Edmonton apartment, to my new school at Norquest College. After settling into my seat and performing my lengthy OCD flight ritual, I looked out the window with my head on the thick plexiglass and for the first time started to process the events of the past four years. All of it. Ryan, Tom, Shay, Carla, Annika. Would I ever see these people again? I didn't think so. At 21, my life was technically just starting, but those years felt like I'd simply press pause on real life. Leaving the farm, the oil field, leaving Ryan, Shay, Annika, Tom leaving everyone right where they would stay forever in my mind and right at our last word spoken. I worried that Shay would get gobbled up by the Hells Angels forever and never get to be a real mother. I wanted Ryan to find a good girl who was stable and easy to love. I prayed that Annika would become a psychologist like she so strongly desired. Carla, I hoped, would find her own two feet someday. And Tom... I wished for him to stay safe out of Bullet's way and to rise up high with the mighty United States government as the champion I knew him to be, a forever good guy. I was so excited to say goodbye to Tom, bittersweet as it was, 
but he taught me a lot. He helped me grow up. He helped me see a different life, and I'll always be thankful for that, for him and the time we had together. I would say he was the first time that I ever felt like I was deeply in love. I decided that I liked the pause button. It allows you to never fully deal with anything and to just keep going on some other track. What a snappy feature on life's great big mixed media stereo. I hit pause, cut, and run every chance I got for as long as I could remember. Detachment followed every time. Was I ever fully attached to these people? Probably not, as I had never had any trouble leaving them. I certainly love them. I love them immensely, but I don't think they could really tell. This made me feel incredibly sad. I still didn't know how to make authentic connections. I still had a long way to go on that front. I hoped that they could tell how much I loved them, how deeply I appreciated them, and how each of them helped me grow. They were all weird too, like me, each with their own respective glorious weird. If we are in fact the sum of who we spent time with, then my final balance of the equation was incalculable. There's a consequence to using the pause button too much, though. You may never get resolve. You won't make it to the end of the song with some people or lifestyles, and maybe that was okay. But what did I want for me? I knew that I ached for my aunties and everyone in my giant family, my little cousins who are older now, my grandparents and Porky. I was ready to overcompensate for lack of protection for Morris, too. I'd spoil him every chance I got, and I left him when he may have needed me most. I would never leave him again. That was a good start, I decided. The past four years made little sense. Trying to map it felt like trying to follow a honeybee home. Swirly, twirly paths leading to psychedelic gardens to explore, but only for a few nips at each bud. The pause button could be another word for sabbatical. Maybe that's all this was, a giant, unplanned, unscripted sabbatical. However, my sabbatical happened to hit at the prime of my coming-of-age journey. I laughed at the word sabbatical. That was what 40-year-olds did, wasn't it? When they had enough of their heavy adult lives and screwed it all to recharge, recenter, reconnect, or get to know themselves? I could identify with this. I was young, but my body felt used and tired. Intense dance routines performed several times a day. Long hours, talking, talking, talking in clubs. Jumping off yachts into the ocean, in and out of airports, needles in the lips, and major surgery. I needed a break, a long one. I needed a break from my sabbatical. A break from my body and a tune into my mind. I was so ready for it. I came, I saw, and I lived through a peculiar period with even more peculiar types of people. It became clear to me with eyes closed, head resting on that thick plexiglass airplane window. Every trauma-filled moment of my little girl life flashed before my mind's big screen TV. The traumatic disconnect of family at five years old, the toxic detachment of the mother-child bond, animal flesh, escaping South America, Good guys, bad guys, good things and bad things. I ran fearlessly down the gullet of all of it. For the first time, stopping to digest it all, I truly surprised myself with the journey. Detachment somehow makes you immune to fear. It allows you to mobilize into waters where others dare not swim. And I was glad for the dip. I felt little shame or remorse for the journey behind me. 
Now I needed a stable home, and I was going to make one for myself. One that felt endlessly comfortable, a place for my worn-out soul, a home that could give me my kind of solid roots required. Weird, sparkly, and sequent roots. I had spent my young life wishing to be normal, not spent with an abusive mother from a broken home in a butcher shop while taking care of my brother. I spent my coming of age in seedy strip clubs from Canada to South America, and I learned that there was no such thing as normal. And why would you want it anyway? Normal was a sham. Normal was bullshit to begin with. There is little sunshine to be found in normal land. Even normal people seek out weird. Boy, do they ever. That's where the fun is. I was creative and financially free. I hoped Virginia Woolf would be proud of me. As American Airlines touched down in Yegg International Airport, I was confident that I was a weirdo. There was nothing ever normal about me. Who I was born and assigned to, what I'd ever done. I was going to be a weirdo possibly forever. And for the first time in my life, I was okay with that. I was intensely excited to be a weirdo in disguise at my new college and in my new life. Would anyone be able to tell? Always a chameleon. I would certainly put on a show. We all have a story to share and a voice that is meant to be heard, and we want to share yours. For more information and to get involved, visit storiesofinspiringjoy.com. Stories of Inspiring Joy is a production of Seek the Joy Media and created by Sydney Weiss. You can find all episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and if you like the show, hit subscribe, leave us a rating and review, and follow along on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're creating greater connection and community, one powerful story at a time. 